With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Yeelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And this is our 40th official episode, maybe 41st, I don't know. Uh... First off, I want to talk about the new height change rule that the NBA placed in. Basically, what it was before is, I'm not exactly sure, but basically that like every player could just say what height they were, or just kind of like with shoes on, how big are those shoes, we don't really know. It was more so that there there was no uniform rule. Yeah. It was like the teams reported it, and it wasn't like NBA regulated, so it was just whatever people felt like listing themselves yeah. as. Yeah, but now Adam Silver in the league place this rule that every player without shoes has to be measured and they're being measured by the nba themselves Not, so the nba yeah. is sending people to go to each team's training camps or whatever yeah. and actually measure people they can't and, just send in their numbers and we've seen like more than 75 percent of players who have been tested have been at least half an inch shorter if not a full inch which i think or like a couple of them are taller but yeah a couple of them are taller but i would say for the vast majority mm-hmm. they're shorter and not average or increase, which I think is, it raises the question, does this matter? I think, like in the grand scheme of things, does listing players' heights differently actually affect that much about the way the game is played? No. Does it change the way that we maybe look at players, the way that players will be drafted in the future, the way that players will be traded for? That's the kind of stuff that starts to change, right? So... I think that one of the examples that we were talking about was Marvin Bagley now being listed as 6'8". Compared to 6'11". To, compared to the 6'11 that, that we thought he was as of yeah. like two weeks ago. Um, so like in the case of Marvin Bagley, if you're an NBA GM who now knows that Marvin Bagley is 6'8", six, six, playing the power forward position, he's a big man. Like he can't play small forward and he definitely can't play guard. How valuable is he, is he to you now, knowing that he's 6'11"? And I think that if you're the Kings GM, and this rule was placed in like two or three years ago, Luka Doncic would be paired up with De'Aaron Fox right now instead of Marvin Bagley. And that that's crazy. So the Kings would have taken Luka yes. at two. And yeah, of- I think if, if all of a sudden you're, you're drafting this guy, it's like, oh yeah, he's a power forward right now, and he'll become a center. Like, now, no. So I, I would argue that, yeah, the Kings take Luka Doncic. I guess the, the one counter-argument I would make to that is, like, does it really matter so much as, like, the height that they're listed as or the height that they are that they actually are as much as the height that they play as, right? So Marvin Bagley plays bigger than he is, right? So even if he—so now that he's 6'8", watching him play, you would never have guessed that he played as 6'8", I, I because understand. he plays like, like a big man. I understand. So does, like, Draymond, and we'll get to yes. that. But, like, I think that still— with especially with the NBA draft, not like free agency or whatever, because mm-hmm. by then like we've seen how guys play. But in the NBA draft, we're going based off of numbers. We're we're going based off of college players, but that's but to that, us, comp- but that but that competition is so subjective but, but and to varies. An NBA, but to an NBA scout who is potentially taking recommending that his GM take a guy in the number two pick, 
he's going to put a lot more time into studying the way that that player plays than just looking at his height and saying, okay, he's this tall. So do you think that... They're NBA, watching hours and hours so of game you, so, do you think that M- so do you think that NBA GMs and NBA scouts knew that Marvin Bagley was 6'8"? I don't think that they knew he was 6'8". They knew he wasn't 6'11". They also didn't. They also thought it was not enough of a factor that he wasn't as tall as he was listed as to still take him at the second overall pick, because there's so much more that goes into a player's body and then being an NBA type body or NBA ready than just how tall you are. I understand, right? but like the whole narrative behind Marvin Bagley Jr. coming into the draft and through his rookie year was that. Develops is into it, center. Yeah, is he d- going to be able to develop into a center? He he looks like he plays big, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden you're comparing him to other big men, and you're like, okay, he can match up height wise, but can he do it weight wise? Now it's like, okay, he can't match up height wise. Can he match up weight wise? I think that's we were already seeing signs that Marvin Bagley's defense was a little bit shoddy at best. That he was going to be a little bit scary, and that was the biggest problem that the Kings had with running him as a small ball five last year is basically when he was in the court as your center, you're, you're getting scored on pretty much every time down the floor. And now we're starting to see like why that is. But I guess the argument that I would make is like, does it matter because it gives us who don't know actually how tall Mark Bagley is. All we know is like what he's listed as a better sense of like how tall he is. It gives us a better sense of that. Yes. But like that doesn't really matter because the problems with his defense existed before his the his height being listed changed, yeah, right? That, okay, so, so NBA yeah, scouts... I, I know what you're trying to say. Here, here's the thing. Yeah. The fact that we now know his height changed doesn't mean this offseason his height changed. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, like, yeah. on the court. So, I, so what I'm trying to say is, like, NBA GMs, <laughs> they already knew Marvin Bagley wasn't good at defense. Now they're like, oh, yeah, he's not good at defense because, because... he's three inches shorter than he was listed as. Yeah, but maybe in, if you're trading for Marvin Bagley, all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's not that he just isn't good at defense. It's he's not tall enough yes, to play defense. Like, like he, it's not like, oh, he'll develop into it. That, like, decreases the chance of that he'll actually develop into a good defender. I I, like, I, 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 agree, I agree with you on that front. The, the thing that I would argue is that if you look down at like, all these guys in the list, like random one right here, Ennis Cantor, changed from 6'11 to 6'10. That Obviously, that's, more, that's less than a three-inch height change, but it's still a difference. So you're basically seeing every big man in the league knocked getting down like an inch. one knocked down an even, inch right? even so every inch. guard like now Kyrie yeah. being 6'2 not 6'3 but okay here's the, here's another kind of facet of this I yes. think that the fact that everyone in the league kind of got bumped down on average about an inch uh-huh. I think it totally doesn't matter for on court I think for off court it could in a historical sense talking about the on court it doesn't matter because if everyone drops it, no, no, no. no. First of all, of... first of all, it's not that their height actually sh- uh, shrunk. They've been playing like this uh-huh. for their whole careers. But two, it's like okay, if everyone drops an inch, then who cares? It's just like that's like playing like on like a foot that's like or, uh, on a rim that's like one inch above, but everyone's playing on it. Like yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's like pr- it's perspective. It's a, it's a fair, right? Yeah, it's, it's a fair playing field. Yeah. But I think that the interesting thing could be is what if all of a sudden. We this rule had just been in place forever, and now MJ's like six four. Or, or you mean Co- that changes yeah. the way that we look back, Chris? Yeah. What, so for example, okay, like yeah, what if, what I, if, if I, I told you like Kobe Bryant was just six four right now, like his whole career he was six four. Is is that like, or if Michael Jordan was six four, or, or Shaq was like six ten and a half? 
right? Like, like how, like, I guess that does, that, does, does that like change? That's your impressive, right? Perspective, but at the same career? time, like, I think going back to that like perspective and it being relative thing, like, okay, so Shaq in this scenario, Shaq is six foot ten, but then you look across the court and he's playing against like another guy who's less. I don't know, like, like then then Tim Duncan is all of a sudden like six foot ten or six foot nine or something like that. like. So I guess yeah, like and, it, and, if all of history was shifted down an inch or two, yeah, in this, but like, I know, but that's then, not going to be the case because now like this new generation or even guys who are exiting their primes, all of a sudden that's kind of almost undermined. But then the legends stay like unscathed. I guess so, but. And I, and I see what you mean. Like like Derek Rose, for example, is a great yeah. example of this because now we know that he's not six foot three like we thought he was. He's actually six foot one, and that makes his like MVP years where he's like going ham and dunking over seven footers like even more impressive. But also kind of little dude. But also but, can undermine how good of a player he was. If you want to go that, if you want to, how do you mean? How do you want to go the cynical it? route? It, it's like oh, all time. Who would I rather have, D Rose or this other point guard? It's like oh, well, D Rose is six one, so he's like probably not as good of a defender but i would almost argue that like the heights all being uniform almost makes it like less of a factor now that everybody's being judged on the same scale it's like everybody's going to be closer in height like every like realistically the average point guard has been just like brought closer together right so you're saying like what why oh just like general mean yes everybody is just like this like (laughs) stretched out where like before this thing, before this thing came out, you would have said like the average point guard is like six two, six three. Now it's going to be more like six foot one, right? Yeah, and so I guess before like, the average was six three. Now it's definitely six two. Yeah, which I think is substantial. It is. Substantial. I, I, and I was like walking around, and I was like, "Damn, like I'm taller than JJ Barea." Yeah, and that man's in the NBA. Yeah, like that was interesting. I, I, I wonder if it's like a more of a youth thing where like the youth all of a sudden is like, man, like. This guy's only six one. Like I'm, I'm six one. Yeah. Whereas like before, it's like oh, in order to get to the college level and be a shooting guard, you had to be like six five. Yeah. And you only exactly. Had to be like six three, six four. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, that, that's a good thing, at least as a so basketball yeah. player. So I mean, I guess this is this is us trying to sort of stretch the impact and give hypotheticals where this height change might actually be pretty impactful. But in the grand scheme of things, these guys, these guys are still exactly the same height as they were. <laughs> literally like two months ago before they were measured it's just their height on paper has changed um and so like that gives a little bit a little bit of perspective like kevin durant no he's not six nine he's six foot ten right so like yeah like but like no one's listing kevin durant insists he's like six foot eight so that nobody lives like lists him as a big man we know that kevin durant's not a big man kevin durant is a small forward he's a scoring guard in a big man's body essentially yeah except for the fact that he's slenderman so like i think overall I don't really like change my view, change my outlook or outlook mm-hmm. or my view on these guys. There are two people who I'm like, wow, I kind of look at that player differently. One was expected, Draymond Green. He went from yeah. six seven to six five. I always thought he's kind of six 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 five power forward on like <laughs> a championship team. That's I mean, that's crazy. like that's Charles Barkley. That, that's literally Charles Barkley. Yeah. It is just less scoring, more passing, but like less good. Shut up. Yeah, but like. First of all, like wow, that's impressive. Wow, the NBA had a guy on on the best team who is a power forward getting rebounds who is six five that can like change your outlook as a rising franchise. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we can have that and still be really good, which I think is really interesting. The second player, which like I was just like astounded by, and I was like, hmm, how do I feel about that? How do I evaluate that? I'll evaluate that guy's career. 
is Dwight Howard. Six foot ten now, right? Six foot nine. Six foot nine. Six foot nine. Yeah. I, he was like six eleven, seven foot, supposedly. But I guess so like, I'm like I picture Dwight Howard winning back to back to back defense player of the years. So I'm like, like seven man, footer. Shot blocking seven footer beast. I guess it's like I would have oh, said now he was, he's, I would have said he's six eleven. Yeah, it's like yeah. okay, now he's six nine. Like yeah. that that's like but, a old time power forward. Like, but I guess like do you look at does that help? Marvin Bagley's case when you look at a guy like Dwight Howard like okay so his whole career we thought Dwight Howard was 6'11 we find out he's 6'9 and like his career wasn't really affected by that he was still great and everybody thought he was bigger than he was because of the way that he played because of like how he was built around his height but what if I tell you hey Dwight Howard could put up the best fight this is just an argument yeah could put up the best fight against Shaq now is that not true because we know he's six nine and not six eleven? It probably hurts his case. Which You're is right. Yeah, about that. I think that's kind of a tangible sort of NBA fan way of looking at it. Yes, that that is true, right? So when you're comparing some of the greatest big men of all time now, you're and like, well. Meanwhile, Hakeem Olajuwon is unscathed. I don't. I don't actually know how tall how tall Hakeem was. I think he was seven. Seven foot. foot yeah. yeah. So what? So, if, yeah. What if Hakeem was also six? I 10, guess so. But like, we'll just never know. Yeah, that is that is a good point. That is not that, something that, that I was that, thinking That's about. what I was trying to yeah get to earlier. I guess it's I think it's I think it's a better case for the big men than the point guards because point guards yeah. now we know like John Stockton, Steve Nash, right? Like those guys were both way shorter than six foot three. Like they were both six foot one and were successful. So we knew that six foot one guys were, could be successful. We knew that Kyrie Irving wasn't actually six foot three. We knew that Steph Curry wasn't actually six foot three. He's six but, two and three quarters. All right, close enough. We knew that he. Like, it get, like the point guard, I feel like, doesn't change that much. Like, we knew that point guard, you need to be, like, pretty tall, not that tall. Being, like, over six foot, over six feet, unless you're the freak that is Isaiah Thomas, being five foot eight now instead yeah. of five foot nine. Shout out to him. But but I think the centers does change a lot. I agree. Um, yeah. Okay, I think we can move on to the second topic. <sighs> Which is Ben Simmons made a three pointer. <laughs> In case you have been living underneath a rock, Ben Simmons made a shout three out to pointer. Patrick Starr. Shout out to Patrick Starr. <laughs> shout out to Stephen Adams for also making his first three. I didn't even see that. I didn't even. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 no one talks about I did not even. I didn't even know that in all the Ben Simmons three pointer hype. Yeah, no, it was the same now, night. Now it's been a bit. No, it was the same now, night. Now it's been a busy week at school, so I haven't been like. School. I still noticed, and I haven't. Been, I definitely haven't been watching preseason basketball. I don't know about you. I have, really. Yeah, it's nice. interesting. I like it. Um, but shout out to Ben Simmons. I I kind of. I don't want to say I saw this coming because I didn't really. see I it did coming. not see this coming I, at all. I at all. I think that there is a tendency over the off season where you see like. Clint Capella shooting threes in a Twitter video, and, you're, and everybody's yeah. like, "Yo, like, imagine Whoa. Clint Capella when he can shoot <laughs> threes." No, Clint Capella is not going to come out this this season and be not. lights out. Neither is Ben Simmons. But I mean, when I, but but I but when I saw that Ben Simmons like the Twitter hype about like him working on his jump shot, I think and and, and sort of like the way that he was approaching it in interviews was like, like just like a couple weeks ago, there was a reporter who was like. Who brought up that he had never hit a three and he was like yeah but i'm still an all-star and so i think yeah. that his mindset he had this mindset which was like i don't need to hit threes to be great like i'm already one of the best point guards in the nba whether you agree with that or not doesn't matter that's how he's thinking so he's already confident in himself so 
if the confidence is there that he doesn't need the three-pointer, but he wants to get better, if he's but he wants to put in the work to to make himself the best player he can be. So he wants to put he wants to bring the three-pointer into his game he's, out of the desire to be great instead of the fear that he won't be good enough. Then I think he's much better off because it's not like oh, I better start hitting three-pointers to keep yeah. my NBA job. It's like, I want to be the best point guard in the league. And you saw that Giannis had a similar quote this offseason. It's like, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I, I didn't have the triple, but I still won MVP. Now I'm exactly. going to try to add it. Exactly. Like that, that, to me, is like... I think it's like, a, that's a really powerful mindset. That confidence yeah. is one of the biggest things that separates the, the bad shooters and the good shooters. Is just like, Every time you shoot the ball, thinking it's going to go in. Is Ben Simmons there? Almost definitely not. There's been way too many memes about his three-pointer for him to be like, yeah, this is going in every time he shoots it. But let's point out that three-pointer was not like foot on the line. He was that was that was bad. That That was was like pretty deep. That was like a step and a half right over you in his defender's grill. Like, like you better step up. And so that's a statement, I think. And and. Those statement three pointers are kind of what I was expecting from. Okay, Benson but here's the thing. This, this, that's what I was. But, but the thing is, with that play, it wasn't like he was like, "I'm coming down and I'm going to chuck up a three. It was he just saw he was giving no, too no, much no, space, no, no, no. right? No, the thing was, if you look back at the play and you see what Joel Embiid was doing, Joel Embiid was at half court pointing at Ben Simmons. With by the way, there was like four seconds left, so like. He had to do something. Yeah, but he was pointing at Ben Simmons, and he 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 was going like this. He was saying, shoot. Yeah. He was saying, shoot the ball. So I think that there's something to be said that he had to do something. It's not like he, he had just passed. Plus, Joel Embiid was kind of just nudging I didn't, him into something. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that, but I'm really happy that you said that because it, it it makes me excited that like his team is behind that. Instead of his team being like disappointed, like he can't, our point guard can't get threes and can't space the floor, Joel Embiid is instead being encouraging and trying to get him to take the shots. And also, because I think that like, yeah. I think that the, that the, that based just based off like the Twitter videos, which again I hate the Twitter like the workout Twitter videos. videos. They just suck. suck. They just They're horrible. Suck. But based <laughs> off of those Twitter videos where you see Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons hitting five in a row, We're like such nerds. <laughs> ben Simmons, if left wide open on the three point arc with no defender on him, can hit a can hit a three pointer. It's not that he's so like so totally broken, but I hope that he just has the confidence in this year to like dare people to to like if you leave me open i'm going to shoot so i said i was thinking in my head like before this video came out my expectations for ben simmons where he's going to shoot 0.5 to one three pointers a game and all it's going to be is if he's left wide open he's going to take it whether it miss whether he makes it or misses does not matter if he averages 10 percent from three this year does not I, matter i was not bought in whatsoever at all I was just thinking if he if he averages like zero point two five three pointers per game. I, I just I literally thought he was going to take maybe two the whole year. Literally any threat at all makes a massive impact just on like his defender can't stand underneath the basket. You, you see with Joel Embiid, like Joel Embiid, I've I've done this on this podcast already, but yeah, Joel Embiid drives me insane because it works. That Joel Embiid, like sure he is an average three point shooter. Like, kind of. So, like, a big man has to step up. Mm-hmm. But because big men are so not used to closing out, that's such an advantage for him. Because Joel Embiid has the stupidest pump fake of all time. <laughs> when, you... when he shoots, first of all, it's slow as hell. Goes up. His right leg just comes backwards. Yeah, when, as, he, as he, when he pump fakes, he swings yeah, yeah. his right leg out. Yeah. Instead of, instead just of like... To... 
He so swing, you know he's, he's gonna pump it. He, yeah, he, no, he swings it backwards in order to like propel himself forward afterwards. And I'm just like, dude, if you're a big man guarding Joel Embiid and you see he's about to pump fake, but he moves his foot backwards, he's obviously not gonna shoot off of yeah. one foot from the three point line. So like, mm. but like, <laughs> shout out to James Harden. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like, if he does that, like, if Ben Simmons just gets a threat to where it's like, oh, if he does this. Like, like it, it, like the defender will just get will him to hesitate jump. for that split second. Yeah, like a split second. You put any doubt in your defender's mind. That's Ben Simmons is going to become just, one of the most unstoppable forces. It's just in the another league. advantage. Just all he has to do is is just have his defender in that split second where he pump fakes make his defender think, oh, he could shoot this. Yeah. Oh, I better click. It's just, it's and, an if there's, advantage. and if there's that split second of like, do I have to contest it? It's already too late because Ben Simmons is six foot ten. Yeah, and quick first step he's blowing by you to the rim you can't react like that and still have the lateral quickness and length when you're guarding ben simmons exactly it's just, exactly it's what it is the things that he's been able to do so far without having any jump shot at all without his defender having to do anything except stop him from getting to the basket is very impressed that the fact that he's averaged like 18 points per game or whatever do you think he'll be like a catch and shoot guy now like no. like not in terms of like no, no, no. not in terms of like jj Redick, but in terms of like in the playoffs, you're not going to have this weird thing where he doesn't know what to do because he can't, like, he's not a threat. I just hope that by the time the playoffs come around, you can put Ben Simmons out on the perimeter, out on the perimeter, and not have his defender clogging the paint. If if I don't you know can, if we'll get to that point. That's that's the if if we get to that point in the season, it will be a massive success in Ben Simmons' three point shot, um, like. As on the grand scale of things, no matter like what his percentage is, no matter what his three point attempts per game is, if his defender can't stand in the paint during the playoffs, that is a huge success. If he can, well, we weren't expecting his defender not to stand in the paint during the playoffs. Like we are still expecting that by the time the playoffs come around. So it's not necessarily not a success, not necessarily a failure, because it's a lot to ask him to to go from never making a three pointer to being a legitimate threat in ones in one off season. But just baby steps so that in the next couple of years, they'll be in the playoffs and he'll be not a like non-factor from the perimeter that at least you have to, at least if he gets a literally wide open three that he is willing to take it and it will go in a decent percentage of the time. That will make this the 76ers yeah. so much better. Yeah. Just so much better. And like I said, like I was not sold at all off-season videos are meaningless. I'm a huge believer of that. Mm. But I, I, I'm, I'm convinced now. Like I'm, I'm convinced that it will not, not be a thing. I completely this thought this season it, or like, this season, this season, this I, season. Ben Simmons th- shooting threes will be a thing. It will be a thing. He'll, sh- he'll, in terms of like, he's not going to average point oh two five a game. He's going to average one. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I and think that. I think that's that exciting now, as an NBA now, fan. Now, after seeing that like video, I give him like one, one, maybe two three point attempts per game. I'm going to say one. If he averages one three point attempts per game, huge success. Yeah. Clap it up for Ben Simmons. Yeah. Shout out Ben Simmons. All, All right. right. Going on to our third segment. Let's just review what's kind of been going on between the nba and the rockets and china mm-hmm. it's been a pretty crazy few days with like any anyone from like daryl Morey to yao ming to the president just kind of <laughs> kind of just like saying anything about hong kong or about the nba or about china mm-hmm. or like or like cr- criticizing the government or free speech it was like wow this this has a lot packed into it yeah and so we're not gonna like 
what I want to do is just kind of like summarize and maybe kind of like unpack this a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So basically what happened was this all started because Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets, kind of, he just tweeted out this graphic that said something along the lines of stand with Hong Kong or like free speech for Hong Kong. Let me pause you right there for one second. In case you don't know the basic history of like China versus Hong yeah, Kong. Yeah, my bad. Hong Kong is is not actually in mainland China. It's sort of its own island off the coast of China. And so the Chinese government claims claims like full full um full like ownership of Hong Kong and basically says that Hong Kong is under the communist government of China. Hong Kong would tell you that no, we're kind of our own thing. We're kind of our own, like, we have our own flag. We kind of have our own, like, a economy. little bit more capitalistic government and, like, economy that thing going on over here. And we don't really want to be part of China. But we don't also really have the means to fight back against that. We're just going to call ourselves independent. So there's been sort of, since, like, for, like, the last half of the 20th century and then now into the 21st century, there's been this sort of ongoing thing between Hong Kong and China of, like, is Hong Kong really independent? But recently, there's been, like, more and more protests. Like, the, mm-hmm. like right now, like, the Hong Kong airport, it just, like, can't really be used because people just stand in the, in the middle of it, shut down flights. Yeah. And just over the past, I would say, month to month and a half, it just kind of escalated to the point where it's like there's more and more protests. People are throwing rocks at the police. The police are shooting back at the people. And so Daryl Morey, that was the context, Daryl Morey tweets a graphic saying, stand with Hong Kong, fight for free speech, fight for Hong, fight for Hong Kong. And then he gets a wave of backlash. And then I would say like five minutes later, he deletes it. Yeah. And so that set off this firestorm because obviously there are a lot of Chinese people on Twitter. There are a lot of people on Twitter. And basically the sentiment in China is that there is that like there are two things in China. One, there's a strong sense of we want Hong Kong to be ours because it it, like Connor described, it is extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. But the other sentiment is pretty much nationwide with China is that like the United States cia kind of is like promoting these protests that that's a thing yeah well because um, because the, the united states that's a, thing, that's a thing that they think the united states supports free speech and like the right of smaller governments fighting against like larger governments the right for like people to rise up yeah but i'm and saying generally like, but hong this, kong can be grouped in that i know category. but the sentiment is that like the, it's not the totally, cia but yeah. the cia is actually stimulating these and protests. that that is of course not not actually true yeah but yeah but so this is all based off of like this umbrella movement that really reached its peak in 2014 when Chinese police officers were coming in and spraying basically like college students with tear gas and and the college students in, in Hong Kong, um, the people of Hong Kong were using umbrellas basically as shields to like prevent themselves from being like covered in tear gas. That's why it's called the umbrella revolution. And so that sort of reached its peak in 2014, but it's sort of coming back again as like a second wave. Yeah. And so the, the events that have transpired was Daryl Morey uh, tweets this graphic, instantly deletes it. And then the people of China and the Chinese government and mm-hmm. uh, the Chinese basketball association with which its head is Yao Ming all kind of have this backlash saying like, you, you like how could you do this we love the nba we support it um you don't you don't know what you're talking about this is like hateful against china um kind of gets like defensive about it i would say mm-hmm. yeah and really just kind of like 
as they kind of do in, in their own country and like that's their own practice they try to like kind of like punish this sort of like speech that uh daryl Morey gives then daryl Morey, afraid that he's gonna like cost the houston rockets their like entire base in china he tweets out saying this is this is my opinion this is one opinion i don't represent the rockets which yeah. is true i think that's important to distinguish and i think that as someone as a chinese person you could get that kind of muddled um and so he tries to do damage control doesn't work yao ming is furious the people of china are really mad and then you have a statement from adam silver at first saying like we love the fans in china we love the fans of china um political statements whatever we don't stand by it but then later i would say like 24 hours later you have this thing and it's like adam silver comes out and says we don't di- agree or disagree with it but the nba is a league that supports speaking out and like will not stimulate that ever yeah and that is like that is true like wh- when we think about and uh when we think about sports league in the united states or even worldwide like fifa or fifa or whatever the nba is that league you saw it like um with black lives matter you saw it, like with donald sterling it's, it's a player driven league players are allowed to speak out you see this now with lebron saying like with hashtag more than an athlete and, and even- i guess daryl morey was being more than a gm it, it, he would yeah. argue yeah um but that that's just kind of the thing and i like i respect adam silver so much man like he just he's handled every situation delicately but appropriately and i think I this fair. this this is kind of the situation as well because on the on the one hand you do you do not want to upset the people of china because yes. because china has one billion people it has it has almost 1.4 billion people really which by comparison the united states of america has a population of 327 million otherwise it's like 0.3 billion so china literally has more than a billion people more than the united states of america and and, so keep that in mind it's i would say probably like what the second biggest market for basketball in the world yeah i mean like definitely up there for sure yeah and so here's the deal i think that oftentimes like okay what the nba cares about in, I, don't, I don't know if it's Adam Silver or whatever, but like the NBA cares about the bottom line. They care about the profit, and the it's a re- business. At the and, end of the day. and the reason why this is an issue, and it's not like oh let let's just speak out against China or whatever, is because the bottom line does not agree with that. The profit does not agree with that because the China is such a big market. Do you know where Steph Curry with Under Armour? Do you, do you know where LeBron James with Nike? Do you know where James Harden with Adidas? Do you know where they go every single summer? They go to China, China, Japan, Singapore. Asia is a huge market for basketball. Mm-hmm. Not 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 just American sports, for basketball. Those brands go there for a reason because that's where they can get the most fans. That's the same with the NBA. They really care about China in particular because they're such a big market. They just pure like revenue v- off views, jerseys, anything is, is insane. And especially this is the Houston Rockets who I would say is probably the most connected with like eastern asia they they like, do like, whole uniforms yeah, that they, are in they, like, they chinese characters and they've had like zochi one of like the like who was actually like born in chinese china. yeah, yeah. Who, who was born in china and it it's just so like it contrasts very heavily yes. between the bottom line on one hand which is what the nba cares about and it's like in the most like impactful financial place in the world besides the united states versus we're also the primary league that advocates for free speech. Exactly. I think it's it's super important to remember that the history of the NBA is that it's it's very tied in with hip hop culture, but 
and, and, but also with like race and, and social justice issues, right? You think back to like the Olympics and like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill and Bill Russell were two like very outspoken guys in the NBA community and have, and so the NBA and their, and its players are usually some of the like faces of American sports. And so their roles as speaking out for American and the, and the American political world is very, very important. And now it's also important to keep in mind that while we can't group, China is a country of 1.4 billion people. We cannot group all 1.4 billion yeah, people into exactly. basketball fans or like against the free speech of Hong yes. Kong. Like you can't, you can't group 1.4 billion people together into one unit. But this problem, which is represented by Yao Ming and by certain members of the Chinese government and the Chinese people, if the if the NBA allows its players to be too outspoken about this issue, which usually it encourages its players because, to be very outspoken. Honestly, because, yeah, continue, sorry. If, if it allows its players to be too outspoken, which it usually encourages in this specific situation, it could cost huge viewership where the China starts canceling all of its TV deals yeah. and things like and, that. And here's the deal. For its second biggest market. That, like the, the China right now, I'm pretty sure the, um, either one of the networks, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how like TV revenue works there, but they tweeted that they are going to stop showing NBA preseason. I, and that's already like if a big sum of money, even if it is just preseason. Ch- Chinese government censors a lot more than, than the American government did yes. does. So if you don't know that much about China, you literally can't go on Google in China. You can't go on Amazon. You can't go on YouTube. They all There's all kinds of different Chinese versions of all of these websites. And so with a snap of their fingers, the Chinese government could decide that they're not going to allow the NBA and start their own basketball leagues, for example. Like essentially just boycott the NBA. And that could be very devastating for the NBA. Would it work because necessarily? I don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe not. But, but I that, would say that they would do it. Like they would. Yes. Yeah. Like and, they, they care more about. Um, kind of like protecting the stability of st- of the state yes. versus like NBA bas- like basketball like yeah they're bigger things yes um, and also I think another thing to point out is I touched on this a little bit but there's a difference between criticizing China and criticizing the United States China I talked about big market yeah money and also they are primarily against kind of like speech that disrupts the state I think that that's what China. Uh, like a big the, Chinese business tweet out that like while Adam Silver says that they support free speech that that um, the people of China um, and the officials do n- uh, do not classify speech that disrupts the unity and stability of the state mm-hmm. as free speech. It's, that, it's they, not they, free they, they speech. View, they view of it as yelling fire in a exactly theater. exactly. Um, so so the that the Chinese government would basically argue that Hong Kong trying to declare its own freedom is purposely trying to stir up trouble and create a revolution within China. Yeah, and China does not allow people to speak out against the government in the same way that the American government yes. does. We can criticize Donald Trump yeah. all we want. You can't criticize the Chinese government's decision about Hong Kong all you want. Yeah, exactly. Like, domestically, criticizing the United States government does not hurt the bottom line whatsoever. Mm-hmm. One might argue that it could help the bottom line, as seen in, like, Nike profits with Colin Kaepernick or whatever, but it, there's a difference. So, one hurts the bottom line, one neutralizes maybe helps the bottom line and we see people like an example like this is what donald trump actually talked about in an interview recently but we saw that steve kerr he's like criticized the like the president over and over but with this issue in an interview 
he literally he he kind of just like deflected the question we saw that just last night that cnn asked um james harden and russell westbrook about like the issue and the nba official said no politically based questions right now and i i can't remember the last time we've seen that yeah 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 so i think that's just the bottom line this is something very unique something very interesting and contrast the kind of structures politically and socially structures of the united states versus china with like how the nba factors in freedom of speech versus economic benefit yeah it's it's going to be a very impactful decision not only for the like next couple of years but also for how the NBA handles its relationships with China for many years to come, how the NBA is going to handle its TV deals, partnerships, all the decisions that the, that the NBA makes in this specific scenario are going to have huge ripple effects on the rest of the NBA's existence, basically. Um, and it's also representative of the current sort of economic struggle as China is basically getting ready to pass the United States, the largest economy in the world. So if this doesn't show that pro- that that I guess like problem, but it's not even really a problem. It's just it's just a fact of the economic world right now. Then I don't know what does. And this is why sports matters, even if you don't like sports. All right, which is beautiful. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space the Floor NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. If you're listening on if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. That'd be appreciated. If you're listening on iTunes, um, subscribe, leave a review. That'd be very good. And thank you so much for watching. My name is Connor Gielen. My name is Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out Yao Ming.